Nancy Pelosi has these words when talking about how prepared Joe Biden is for Russia's imminent attack on Ukraine. Let's listen to her. You just saw those reports right there. The White House is warning of an imminent invasion of Ukraine. The Ukrainians seem to think that that's all hype. Do you believe that Putin is poised to invade? Well, I think we have to be prepared for it. And, uh, And that is what the president says. Yes, I do believe that he is prepared for an invasion. And, uh, and that is what the president says. Yes, I do believe that he is prepared for an invasion. But the State Department seems to have a different idea of what's going on. What are they exactly saying? We encourage all American citizens who remain in Ukraine to depart immediately. We want to be crystal clear on this point. Any American in Ukraine should leave as soon as possible and in any event in the next 24 to 48 hours. We obviously cannot predict the future. We don't know exactly what is going to happen. So if the White House can't predict the future and they have no idea, how are they prepared? You know what? We can learn a lot from the Afghanistan mess here. Um, The U.S. Army just released a 2,000-page report talking about the mess that was Afghanistan And we can use that to figure out if there are any comparisons between that and the Russian-Ukraine conflict. So let's do that today. This is Gene, you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to DumbassesTalkingPolitics.com and happy St. Valentine's Day. Now, that's something we've forgotten. Valentine's Day has become a a Hallmark card holiday. And... I got to be honest with you, it's caused a lot of fights between Josie and I. Okay, so here here's a story. I, I don't take St. Valentine's Day as much importance. The fact that they dropped the saint, which, by the way, St. Valentine's Day had, no, Valentine had nothing to do with love and crap like that. I'm not even sure why St. Valentine is a thing, but okay. Um, I've always said, and I told Josie this, this was a... This is a chick's holiday for Hallmark. I said this. I I, I told her flat out. Well, I totally forgot about it. Or I didn't forget about it. But I I tried to make her think I forgot about it. And really surprised her today with uh, a little piece of jewelry. By the way, pearls. If you've got a woman that likes pearls, you keep her. Because pearls are the cheapest jewelry. If, If the broad likes diamonds and emeralds dropper if she likes aquamarine and freaking pearls you keep her i'm telling you that's the way it goes so anyway she got mad at me this morning and i could tell she was mad because she doesn't say anything to me in the morning and the reason she didn't say you forgot about valentine's day and i said oh it's valentine's day today because it's kind of a weird day i was too busy celebrating super bowl day which is an actual men's holiday. I'm sorry, the Super Bowl is a man's holiday. She knows it. I've told her 50 times. If I'm late for the Super Bowl, doing what she wants to do, we go to Walmart to go buy paper towels or some crap, I better be at home in time for the Super Bowl. But anyway, by the way, that's, yeah, I'm skipping a lot of news today because there's only one thing to to really talk about. But she sat back and she got mad at me this morning. Well, you forgot. Well, now I had to ruin the surprise because either 
she's mad at me for the entire day, and I tell her, no, I didn't forget about the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl. Excuse me. I didn't forget about the uh, Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's Day. I just was trying to surprise you. So now it wasn't a surprise. She got her surprise about 15 minutes ago, and it is what it is. What are you going to do? What a crap holiday. What an absolutely crap holiday. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I now... You know there's a ton of news going on out there. There was the Super Bowl, the Rams are world are the NFL champions. 23 to 20 great game. Um if you if you want to me to break down some of the things like some of the commercials, the actual woke crap during the game. I mean, they did play the Black National Anthem whatever that is because I don't know, It's the national anthem, you know, the Star-Spangled Banner should be the national anthem for everybody, but apparently it's not, so black people had theirs, and of course, the black national anthem, they were playing it outside, they weren't doing it inside the Super Bowl complex, so that was kind of okay, um, because, I don't know, the well, you gotta remember, the NFL's racist anyway, so, because they don't have enough Black people in the NF? I don't know. Whatever. So, there. Um, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire had a great synopsis of the Super Bowl. Me, I personally think the Super Bowl is just, I don't know, how do I say this? It's just a football game. So, I really don't listen to anything else. I didn't watch the pre-game, the uh, halftime show. I didn't, I was eating at that point. But it's it's all there, so you want to watch the Super Bowl thing? That's great. And I also there's also the news story about uh, I'm going to talk about Ukraine today, but there's also what's going on in Canada, that will probably be tomorrow. Then Joe Biden did another interview for the Super Bowl halftime show. When are they going to stop giving Joe Biden interviews? I don't know. He's just terrible at him. Maybe we'll go over that. There's there's a lot to talk about that I'm not going to bring up. And the reason is because we are looking at war in... Um, oh, and how did I forget this? Hillary Clinton has now been, uh, now been implicated in the Trump spying scandal. That same spying scandal, by the way, that got Trump kicked off of Twitter. We are definitely doing that one tomorrow. We're, we're just going to have to... But we have to cover it first things first because them spying on Trump... I mean, here's a new slush. We all know, knew about that two years ago. This was not something we just figured out. We knew they were spying on Trump. But the one thing we didn't... What we're a little concerned about is the fact that we are about to go to war with the Ukraine or someone's going to go to war with Russia. So I figured, okay, it would be more important we talk about this. And the United States Army released a 2,000-page report about the abandonment of Afghanistan. Those are my words. No one's calling it an actual abandonment or a retreat, let's call it that, or a surrender. I'm calling it that stuff. Uh, I think it will shock no one if I say that the report was less than a shining example of the performance of the Biden administration. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through this report, which, by the way, was published by the Washington Post, which is hardly a right-wing 
a right-wing publication. They're about as left-wing a publication as it can get. And at the end of this, and they didn't just publish one story about it. They were published two. We're going to we're going to go through both. We're going to go through one of them mostly. It's actually the first report. And I'll tell you when we we switch back and forth. You go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you'll you'll see the actual both of them. Okay, the sec the first one was the most damning. But here's the thing, though they don't the Washington Post doesn't blame uh Biden directly. They don't have any good things to say about the Biden administration's handling of this whole thing. And by the way, they do not blame the military for this whole mess. They would rather just say, okay, there was some, I don't know, politician in the ether that did this. So we're going to read about half of this report, and then we're going to talk about how it, the reaction for Biden, the reaction from the media, <coughs> and how we can foresee what's going to happen in Ukraine. So let's get to it. Okay, so here it is, the first first couple of paragraphs. This was the first paragraph of the second article. Uh, I'm just going to go straight back to the first article because the first article was far more enlightening. So here it goes. Declassified U.S. military analysis of the calamitous exit from Afghanistan detailed detail repeated instances of friction between the American troops and diplomats before, during, and during the evacuation. By the way, let's replace diplomats there with politicians. Because as the second report says, it's not the diplomats that were the problem. The diplomats said, hey, uh, this isn't going to work. It was the politicians that added you issue. This is the first area of the Washington Post that I say, okay, wait a minute. Continuing, concluding that indecisiveness among the Biden administration officials and initial reluctance to shutter the embassy in Kabul sowed chaos and put an overall mission at, quote, increased risk, end quote. Ouch. By the way, this is not something new. We could tell this was an issue long before this report came out. This 2,000-page report came out. The Biden administration's messaging was very different than that of the military, especially those on the ground. Heck, the administration dismissed a colonel, a high-ranking colonel, a high, highly decorated colonel, who complained about the exit. The press, the press conferences held by Lloyd Austin, who's the defense secretary, and General Mark Milley gave very different accounts than that of Jen Psaki of the Biden administration. And I've already pointed that out in past podcasts. So let's let's continue with this report. I'm sorry, this is from the first article. That was from the second article, and I decided, okay, I gotta read the first article first. So this is the uh, <coughs> from the first article. Senior White House and State Department officials failed to grasp the Taliban's steady advance on Afghanistan. Afghanistan's capital and resisted efforts by U.S. military le leaders to prepare the evacuation of embassy personnel and Afghan allies weeks before Kabul's fall, placing American troops ordered to carry out the withdrawal in greater danger, according to the sworn testimony of multiple commanders involved in the operation. This is the biggest problem with Obama, with uh, 
uh, Biden. He is out of touch and he kind of lives in a bubble. He cannot comprehend that there are highly motivated people out there, especially in Afghanistan, that are underarmed but don't care. They want victory. And they never thought that the people of the United States were abandoning, who were abandoning, would just fight because they did not think this was going to go well for them. So what I mean by that is that the Afghan military was like, okay, they're abandoning us now. We are missing a lot. And they just quit. So you got a highly motivated, underarmed, underarmed group of people fighting an overarms, uh, overarmed group that are not as motivated because they know they're going to have to deal with this sooner or later. And guess who wins? So there's more. I mean, it's just the lack of foresight from Biden. That's what it comes down to. And the uh, Biden admin. And I don't think it's bad if we sit there and say this was from Biden because Biden really made a lot of these decisions. So let's go. Beyond the, the bleak, blunt assessments of top military commanders, the documents contain previously unreported disclosures about the violence American personnel experienced, including one exchange of gunfire that left two Taliban fighters dead after they allegedly menaced a group of U.S. Marines and Afghan civilians. In a separate incident a few days later, U.S. troops killed a member of an elite Afghan strike unit that had joined the operation and wounded six others after they had fired on Americans. So, in other words, uh, Afghanistan became hostile when they found out the United States told everyone they were pulling out. They became so hostile that even the Afghan security force started joining the other side. And the government hid all this stuff. That's because the Biden administration did everything they could to make this whole thing look like it was organized and peaceful. And it wasn't. They lied. We didn't find out how violent and not peaceful it was until 13 soldiers and 170 Afghan civilians died during a terrorist bombing. We didn't learn how unpeaceful it was until we started seeing bodies fall off of American planes because these people were so desperate. To get out of Afghanistan, they started holding on to planes that were taking off. Well, this report pretty much describes that all. I wish I could get a hold of this 2,000-page report. I think it would be a page-turner. Okay, continuing with the Washington Post article. Military personnel would have been, quote, much better prepared to conduct a more orderly, end quote, evacuation. Navy Rear Admiral Peter, uh, Peter Vassilay the top U.S. commander on the ground during the operation, told Army investigators, quote, if policymakers had paid attention to the indicators of what was happening on the ground, end quote. He did not identify any administration officials by name, of course, by the way, but said inattention to the Taliban's determination to complete a swift and total military takeover undermined commander's ability to to ready their forces. 
You know, we had the same issue in Korea in the 50s, Vietnam in the 60s and 70s, and both Iraq wars. And that is letting politicians run military operations. It doesn't work. The problem here is that the upper echelons of the military are becoming politicians. Why do you think not one general has been fired as yet for this entire mess? And trust me, there have been enough screw-ups, admitted screw-ups, that they could have fired someone. According, uh, the story continues, and this is kind of a long section here, the operation evacuated 124,000 people before concluding about midnight, August 31st. It required U.S. commanders to strike an unusual security pact with the Taliban and rapidly deploy nearly 6,000 troops to assist a skeleton force of about 600 left behind under Vassalay's command to protect U.S. embassy personnel. U.S. officials have lauded the effort, but critics have said that although the U.S. troops performed heroically, the evacuation was flawed and incomplete, leaving behind hundreds and tens of thousands, hundreds of Americans and tens of thousands Afghans who supported the war effort and were promised a way out. John Kirby, the Pentagon's chief spokesman, said that the response to questions about the report that were the airlift of a, quote, historic achievement, end quote, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has acknowledged it was not perfect. And by the way, they did that in the same press conference. Quote, we are committed to and are intensely engaged in an ongoing review of our efforts during the evacuation, the assessments and strategy during the conflict, and the planning in the months before the end of the war, end quote, Kirby said. Quote, we will take those lessons learned and apply them, as we always do, clearly and professionally. You know, they shouldn't apply them. They should fire people who did this because anybody with any type of strategic military background already knows this is bad crap and they should be canned. The problem is that they got their orders from the Biden administration. And they would not think twice about throwing Biden under the bus here. So the reason no one has been fired is that if they did, they would sit there and say, Biden's an ass. Biden screwed this whole thing up. And um, then they would throw Biden under the bus. The story talks about General Kenneth McKinsey. The report does, excuse me. And General Kenneth McKinsey was also a disaster, and he also didn't recommend any of this crap to the Biden administration. So here's what the the New York, uh, I'm sorry, the Washington Post has to say about that. Marine General Frank Kenneth Frank McKenzie, Chief of U.S. Central Command, said in an interview Tuesday that he was not surprised. uh, In quotes, commanders had different opinions about how the evacuation had gone could have gone better. Quote, but remember, he said, what did happen is we came together and executed the plan. There are profound frustrations. Commanders, particularly subordinate commanders, they see very clearly the advantages of other courses of action. However, we had a decision and we 
had an allocation of forces, you proceed based on that, end quote. There, quote, might have been other plans that would have been preferred, end quote, the general added. Quote, but when the president makes a decision, decision it's time for to execute the president's decision. I, by the way, Mackenzie should have been fired too. Mackenzie screwed up a lot of this stuff. And he admitted he screwed it up. But this is where the real problem lies is with President Biden. And this is a huge problem. So I, this is not good. Okay, the story continues. The military told inve- investigators that although the evacuation was in many ways cobbled together on the fly, by the way, you'd never cobble together a retreat on the fly unless you're being killed. Planning within the Defense Department began months earlier. Initial discussions presumed the possible use of the Bagram Air Base, a sprawling U.S. military installation 30 miles north of Kabul, and the assistance from the Afghan government forces to help secure the path there. Marine General Corps Brigadier General uh, Farrell J. Sullivan, who was involved in the planning and oversaw the Marines sent into the capital, told investigators. Those plans involved the incorporating both airfields to, quote, just AKAI, end quote, the Marine General said, using the military's shorthand for Hamid Karzai International Airport. Quote, everyone clearly saw some of the advantage of holding Bagram, end quote, McKenzie said Tuesday. Quote, but you cannot hold Bagram with the force level that was decided. In other words, um, they could have held the military base, but they were only given so many people, and therefore they couldn't hold a 30-mile sprawling base. Again, this is a political decision. By the way, how is no one fired over this, even symbolically? The article then talks about the fighting between the military the politicians, and the diplomats. By the way, when this article talks, even though this part of, this article really does dump a lot of crap on the military, it dumps more on the diplomats. This was a political failure. This wasn't a diplomatic or military failure. This was a political failure. But the Washington Post wants to make sure, okay, we're going to have to let this out. But we want to make sure it's more of a diplomatic failure than a military failure. So let's listen. Disagreement between the U.S. military officials and American diplomats in Kabul about when to press forward with an evacuation appears to have gone back months. Vasilei, who took command as the top officer in Afghanistan in July, said he was told by the departing four-star commander, General Austin Scott Miller, that there would be opposition among senior officials at the embassy to shrinking the footprint in Kabul. Ross Wilson, the acting U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan, was focused on maintaining a diplomatic presence there, Vasilei said, and and questioned how the United States was supposed to preserve its influence without an embassy, the admiral added. Wilson did not respond for requests. Vasilei, 
told investigators that he advised by the, he was advised by the embassy staff that he should provide those close to the acting ambassador with data illustrating the country's rapid collapse of the Taliban. Quote, so it could be sold as a collective approach and not a power grab by the DOD. Oops. Oops. Continuing, Wilson wanted two weeks to evacuate the embassy and leave a skeleton staff at the airport, military officials said. But by August 12th, three days before Kabul's fall, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan called Wilson and instructed him to move more quickly, Fasole told investigators. Now, two things. One, have you any doubt this is a political retreat? This has nothing to do with the military. This has not... And by the way, I'm not talking the higher echelons, even though a lot of the higher echelons of the military sat there and said, yeah, this is not a good idea. But this is the military that is doing this. This is the politicians that are doing this. Diplomats wanted to stay. The military wanted to stay. By the way, there's a reason Obama and Trump, both who wanted to leave Afghanistan, said, okay, we'll stay with what we have. And then Biden just said, screw it, we're leaving. Okay, I skipped down a little more in the article. And let's get to this part. By mid-July, Sullivan, the senior Marine officer involved in planning the evacuation, wanted to stage supplies to host 5,000 evacuees at the airport. But his effort was complicated because he was not permitted to discuss the possibility of a full-scale evacuation. Does that sound political? And 5,000 evacuees? Don't forget, there were 124,000 that were evacuated, and they did not have enough to deal with those 124,000. Other military leaders, whose names were redacted from the report, of course they were, said there were fears among the administration officials that the United States, by raising an alarm, inspired other governments to quickly leave Afghanistan. It would accelerate the central government's demise. So what that's basically saying is, we're leaving and we're not telling anybody. We're not telling Britain. We're not telling France. We're not telling any of the other countries we're leaving. We're just going to take off. Because the United States was helping the Afghan security forces keep the Taliban at bay. And with only 2,000 American forces there, they did. But they decided, screw it, we're going to leave. Okay, here we go. The Marine General told investigators that trying to engage the embassy in discussions about the evacuation was like, quote, pulling teeth until early August. Quote, after that, it became more collaborative, end quote. A spokesman for the Sullivan referred questions to McKenzie. During the August 6th meeting, a National Security Council official, who is not identified in the report, appeared to lack the sense of urgency and told others involved in the United States, others involved, that if the United States had to execute an evacuation, it would signal, quote, we have failed. In my opinion, said Sullivan, quote, in my opinion, the NSC has not seriously planned, not, was not seriously planning for an evacuation. Did you get that? <clears throat> Did you get it? They were not planning for this. They did not know this could be that bad. They only planned to evacuate 5,000 people. They ended up evacuating 124,000. Does that shock you? 
that there is a hundred to a thousand U American citizens still in Afghanistan? This was an absolute disaster. And I know I'm going I'm gonna go over here. I am gonna go over here, but I have to, because there's so much. Okay, and I'm only covering about half the article. So, next part. National security officials regularly convened meetings last summer to assess the situation in Afghanistan and preposition troops in the region in the event of a crisis. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Tuesday at the White House, that's this past Tuesday, after an early version of this story was published, quote, I would just say if you look back at the specific planning steps we took, we did plan for a range of contingencies, B.S., there was, wasn't an anticipation that the national, uh, Afghan National Security Forces would fall as they did, or as quickly as they did. You know what the problem is? There was that anticipation by the military. They said they were going to fall. The United States was supporting everything they did. And then suddenly the United States was pulling up. Jelena Porter, a State Department spokesman, said, quote, cherry-picked comments do not reflect the months of work that were well underway or the whole picture of what the U.S. diplomats undertook to facilitate the evacuation and relocation of U.S. citizens, lawful permanent residents, and allies. In other words, in other words, we've been planning this for months, but we didn't get any cooperation from anybody, so we could never actually Use the resources needed to get everyone out. This whole thing was a cluster. And now you'll know why I continue on. Now, this the article continues a little further down about the retreat or the running away of, president of the of Afghan president, Ashraf Ghayani, who left the country when he knew that... Kabul was going to be overtaken. And by the way, it just shows how dependent the Afghans were to the United States. August 14th, Vasileh, who is the commander in the region at the time, believed Afghan President Asharaf Ghani's government would collapse, he told investigators. The United States carried out 10 airstrikes against Tal the Taliban that day, 10, that day, 10 miles south of Kabul, killing 100 fighters, but it did not halt its advance. We were killing them in bunches, destroying tactical vehicles, and they kept coming, he said. A word spread the next day that Ghani had fled the country. The airfield in Kabul descended into chaos as thousands of desperate people sought to flight out. One medical officer interviewed and in, by investigators compared the atmosphere that week to the Lord of the Flies, the classic book in which teenagers stranded on the island failed to govern themselves. Several military officials recalled U.S. Marines under fire that night by Taliban fighters, and the Marines, in turn, killed two. Again, we're back to what it is. There was complete chaos. There was no leadership. The Biden administration wasn't doing a damn thing. And they were putting soldiers at risk. And the reason this was hidden, because no soldiers were killed. 
Because our soldiers are predominantly awesome compared to their soldiers. No one knew what was going on. No one knew if we were going to get out. We still don't know who is out and who isn't out. Again, a hundred to a thousand Americans are still in Afghanistan. We know that Biden administration lied about the numbers because there are private groups of, of people that are getting Americans pulled out of Afghanistan now. The article is really long and the Washington Post published two of them. I'm not going to go into them because they're just way too long and I'm getting late and I can't forget this stuff. So yes, Dave, Chad, sorry, it's going to be a little longer because we can't forget it. Because this all applies to Ukraine and Russia. So Biden's response. Um, (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, The Biden administration thought this whole thing would just go away. That he was going to F this up and it would just disappear. The Biden administration does have the entire media behind him. Well, he had. Past tense. Afghanistan is 10,000 miles away. So they probably thought they could hide a lot of this crap. The 2,000-page report from the Army took that away. And then Biden could throw out that endless war narrative, which, by the way, wasn't a thing. But Biden had some major issues in the United States that basically ruined his ability to hide the bad things that happened in Afghanistan. They include, we have film of what was going on over there. And that film came from CNN. We had a CNN correspondent who did yeoman's, did great work on it. Going out there and interviewing Afghan people. Troops ended up dying in the attack, 13 of them. And while Biden is looking at his watch while those people are being sent through, the reality is those people have not been forgotten. And you'll hear that in a few minutes. Biden's poll numbers are in the toilet. And it's not just because of Afghanistan. All the other crap that's going on in this country, the other crap between Ukraine and Russia, the other crap between China and Taiwan are now affecting him. He only had to worry about economic and domestic policy. Now he's got to worry about foreign policy. And it's getting heavy. It's getting thick. He doesn't hold any press conferences. He appears to be hiding... And then he cherry-picks who he's going to call on. This isn't helping him with the media, including MSNBC and CNN, which we will talk about in a few minutes. And the biggest problem he's got, and by the way, he had a history of effing up uh, foreign policy. A history of it. I mean, this is a guy who didn't want to go into Pakistan to kill Osama bin Laden. That is very clear. That has been recorded. And by the way, the truth seems to be a big problem with Biden. Biden has been lying about everything, not just Afghanistan, not just Russia, not just Taiwan and China. He's been lying about absolutely everything. Inflation, he's been lying about COVID. He's been lying about everything he's getting caught. His lies are conflicting with the narrative that the media keeps pushing. Everything is being conflicted. And people are not going to fall for his 
messed up decisions because of it. Biden did an interview with Lester Holt from MSNBC News or NBC News on Super Bowl Sunday. It was pre-recorded because Biden cannot do a press conference. He cannot do an interview without it being chopped up. Now, Lester Holt said the interview was chopped up from 22 minutes to nine minutes. And he said it was mostly because that's the time he had for the Super Bowl. Um, go find me that 22-minute interview. It's not available. And it's not available because Biden effed that interview up beyond all belief. And we have no idea what he actually said about it. But here's the important things that we need to talk about. Maybe we'll go over the nine-minute interview later. But here's the part that really catches us, catches the eye of a lot of people, including me. Here he is about Afghanistan. About the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan, it, it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, you know, people who were in, essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told that you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No, what I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not gotten out, they acknowledged that we would have had to put a hell of a lot more troops back in. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. What he was told? You mean someone in the administration was lying to him? He's the president of the United States. He ordered all this stuff. How did he not know what was going on? As we'll find out, he does think someone was lying to him. It was the United States Army he thinks was lying to him. Also, I am sick and tired of this lie. The escalation of troops in Afghanistan was inevitable. That is an absolute lie. This was all he had to do was blame Trump on this because that's what he wanted to do. Okay, he said that if we didn't pull out, there would we'd have to add I don't know a hundred thousand troops or some crap. That was a lie. Yes, Trump did in 2019 make a deal with the Taliban, but according to Pompeo and Trump, Taliban had already broken that truce. So they weren't pulling anybody out. And by the way, a newsflash, we could have kept the 2,000 Americans that were in there. Uh, no troops were killed. U.S. troops were killed in combat since 2014. Zero. The United States was fighting a support mission. That's all they were doing. They were helping the Taliban government fight. The United States was not fighting. They were never under fire, and they haven't been for five years. Finally, he doesn't know what country he's talking about. This is embarrassing, and I think everyone points to this. I think it's a little different. He's trying, oh, yeah, Ukraine, oh, Iraq, oh, Afghanistan. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know something? A lot of the, the place were saying that this guy is... Um, got Alzheimer's, he's got mental capability, he's capabil his mental capabilities are gone, he's senile, things like that. Yes, I think that's part of it, 
But I think the other part is that he's apathetic. He doesn't give a damn about what what country he's dealing with. I think this guy is just completely apathetic to anybody. And by the way, it's on every aspect of his presidency that he doesn't seem to care about anything. He doesn't care about inflation. He doesn't care about the weak um, in employment numbers. He doesn't care about the border. He doesn't care about anything. Here's the problem with him. He has been so apathetic that the polls are beginning to show it. People are seeing it. But his answer, that's only his first half of his answer. Here's the second half of his answer, and it is worse. Listen. No way that was going to happen. And so this is a much wiser thing to do. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this army report? Yes, I am. So they're not, not true? I'm rejecting them. With that story, his presidency is over. He, by the way, he doesn't say they're not true. He says he rejects them. In other words, he feels he's above that report from the army. Mind you, hundreds of people were interviewed in the, uh, both, uh, most of them on the ground about this report. His, are you shocked his poll numbers have dropped this weekend? None of this is going to play out well. And it doesn't. Uh, Jake Tapper from CNN, who is basically the Clinton News Network, had something to say about the rejection by Biden about the Army's report. Now, I like Jake Tapper. He's not quite a leftist. He's not quite a moderate Democrat. But when he sees the truth, he calls it out. And I, I, I really do like that about him. Here he is about that whole thing with Biden and the rejection of the 2,000-page Army report. But I do not understand why he would not manifest that care into taking this investigation more seriously, absorbing the tragic details, contemplating the obvious failures of his administration, failures that cost lives. Now, Biden always bristles at this because he feels confident that ending the war in Afghanistan was the right decision. But that's not the question at hand. It's not whether, but how the war ended. And what that means to the people who were there when it did finally end. No part of these military interviews ring true because that's not what I was told. If this was not what you were told, then what was? And don't you have an obligation, sir, to be told? Don't you have an obligation to Ryan Canas's family to his grieving mother? They were sitting ducks. How do I feel? I feel grief and I feel anger. I am angry for the waste of life. Isn't that how you demonstrate how much you care? Otherwise, isn't it just words? By the way, Jake had it right. Except he just didn't go all the way with his assessment. Joe Biden doesn't care. He is an apathetic, sociopathic old fart. And he has no idea. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's lost the media. He is effing up everything that's out there right now. And there's just no way the media can spin this Afghanistan problem because he's going to do it again in Ukraine. And if he, when he does it again in Ukraine... 
it's going to make the media look stupid if they keep saying this guy does a good job. Well, he's not doing a good job. And we still have Ukraine and Russia to deal with. Could the Russian... Now let's get back to Russia. Could the Russian invasion of Ukraine be the second Afghanistan for Biden? I hate to say it, but it's sure looking that way. Russia is ready to attack. I think there's very little doubt of that. They have 170,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, which is about 35,000 above what they need. The Russian Navy is on the coast of Ukraine, and they look like they're ready to go. And missile positions have been set on Ukraine. The United States expects an attack before the Olympics end. They believe that this attack will be from missiles and bombers to kind of soften Ukraine up a little bit. And that if Russia wanted to, they could take over you they could take over Kiev in 36 hours. The war will involve Ukrainian men, women, and children. They're all working, they're all training right now to save their country. And they are setting things up to be a guerrilla warfare scenario, which worked with the Taliban when they attacked Afghanistan in the 80s. So this is going to be really ugly and really ugly. Expected dead could be 35,000 Russians and 100,000 Ukrainians. It's really bad. So what does Joel Joe do? He sends an additional 3,000 troops to Poland. Military troops, U.S. military troops are being pulled from the Ukraine. The embassy is being evacuated right now. Uh, two dozen people or so are still left at the embassy. Americans are being told to evacuate and go to Poland. But mind you, the evacuees need to have proof of uh, vaccine. I'm not kidding you. So I can't escape a war unless I have proof that I've gotten the vaccine. There will be no American troops to support the uh, people that are stuck in Americans that are stuck in Ukraine if Russia invades. Biden had a lo- hour-long conversation with Putin on Saturday, and guess what? The uh, uh, sec- the State Department released a paragraph long said that that said he threatened Putin. Not really sure how he threatened Putin. Seems to me that a lot of the threats he's not listening to anyway, or this wouldn't have happened in the first place. This, too, is looking like it's going to be another disaster. And Biden's not going to do anything about it because he's a so he's an apathetic sociopath. He doesn't care. He does not care. He's hoping the media will just back him. Media's not backing him anymore. We have thousands of Americans in Ukraine and no plans to get them out. Does that sound familiar? Those who do want to leave have to go through a crap load of red tape, including vaccine passports. Does that sound familiar? And Biden is not being transparent about anything. Does that sound familiar? One other thing that I want to point out is that Biden has done nothing to deter Putin to this point. Nothing. Not even sanctions. He's threatening, he is threatening Putin with what we're going to do after. That's not going to help now. Do something now. And a bunch of foreign policy experts are saying if you're going to put sanctions on him, put them on now. 
to deter him. Nothing. Crickets. It's going to be bad in Eastern Europe, and we still have full, uh, we still have um, China invading Taiwan to look forward to. You know, that Taiwan independent country that produces 95% of our computer chips? Hmm. What's he going to do then? But hey, you know what? At least we don't have any bad tweets. Okay, I know I went a little long, but this is important. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the reports uh, finding that the Clinton campaign infiltrated the Trump campaign. Well, infiltrated the Trump presidency, which is going to be looking awful ugly for the Obama-Clinton campaign. So that'll be kind of awesome. Okay, you can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I got a ton of freaking links for you. Read them all. Take care, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene. Thanks for waiting and listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>